Welcome to Lean Leadership for Ops Managers, the podcast for leaders in ops management who want to spark improvement, foster engagement, and boost problem solving, and still get their day job done. Here's your host, leadership trainer, lean enthusiast, and spy thriller junkie, Jamie V. Parker. Have you ever been in a meeting and the boss or a colleague asks you to do something? They kind of assume it. So it's probably more like telling you to do something instead of asking. And maybe in your head, you're thinking, there is no way I can get that done in time, or at least no way without sacrificing some other big priority. But you just kind of nod or you don't really say anything. You just kind of let it go. Like, hey, it was said, but I'm not getting into that right now. Or maybe you're in a meeting and you think that everyone agreed on who is doing what by when, but the next week you come into that meeting and stuff's not done or there's confusion or you learn that not everyone is on the same page. Like, no, that's not what you meant. I thought you meant this. (laughs) Well, then you probably want to listen in to today's conversation. In fact, you might hear some weasel words in today's conversation that are haunting your collaborative efforts. Susan Reinhardt is joining us today to talk about how the concepts of reliable promises or conversation for action that she uses in lean applied in the construction industry and how that may help you. Now, for this episode, you probably want to head over to our show notes. Just go to processplusresults.com forward slash podcast and then find this episode with Susan Reinhardt. There you're going to be able to see images kind of depicting what Susan's talking about, as well as more information and links to dive in further. All right, let's go. Today, I'd like to welcome Susan Reinhardt to the show. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Well, let's kick off. Before we jump into all of our goodness today, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do. Well, I am an architect by profession, so I started quite a while ago in 1991. Actually, my first job was in Switzerland for a little tiny architecture firm. Um, but then I came back to the States, and I was working on successively larger projects, and I really got put into the project manager role pretty early, and I like to chase the details, so you know, soon I was the, the classic firefighter, command and control and firefighter. So if there was a project that was failing or flailing, they would bring me in on it and I would write the ship. Or if they had a project, you know, that was going to be expensive or the owner was difficult, they'd have me do it from the beginning to make sure that it didn't go off the rails. So I, I got very interested in this. And I started creating, I was kind of my own one-man PMO, project management office, and I would start sending out to all my peers all these suggestions for how to put your drawings together and and how to not uh, be missing information and how to handle your consultants and what to do with your contractor and what to do on site and how to deal with the owner. And um, I really found out about Lean in my MBA. So I got an MBA in international management from Thunderbird School of Global Management. It was like the oldest uh, international management in in the U.S. Uh, They introduced me to Lean. 
and mostly in hospitals. And I just thought, whoa, I've been missing out on something here. <laughs> and, you know, I've been chasing lean ever since. And, and that led me to manufacturing classes in mm -hmm. lean. And then I said, how, well, how does this apply to architecture and construction? And they were deer in the headlights. They're like, well, I think we consulted a roofing manufacturer once. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, so I started searching. I found Lean Construction Institute. I started speaking there uh, after I went the first time and had my own firm. And I have been trying to bring Lean uh, into the building industry ever since. That's just how my mind works. It's great. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So tell us a little about, about what it does mean when we say Lean in Construction. Uh, we're Johnny come lately to this little game. Um, you know, we are one of the only industries that since 1964 hasn't actually raised our labor productivity index, unlike all the other industries. Uh, we're, of course, very fragmented. We are the originals in project-based work. I hear of other people saying that, you know, 60% of my time is spent managing projects and, and people never train you how to do that. They just kind of promote you and say, manage this. Mm -hmm. And as an architect, that's that's what I do. I have a project. I have many consultants. They are not uh, part of my firm in general. They're all from different companies. And when I get to the contractors, they might have 50 different subcontractors on site. And those different subcontractors have all these vendors. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at projects, you might be building a $500 million headquarters or lab or university. And the owner, of course, is not really the owner. The owner's got all their user groups and their vendors that they use. And, you know, there's just a huge amount of information and aspirations to manage, not all of which are aligned mm -hmm. um, and a lot of decisions to be made. And you got to get people marching in a row. So that fragmentation is kind of the ultimate in project-based work. And that brings us to lean. I've been, I'm also a project management professional, but that was a little too top-down to me. Yeah. Uh, I need the assistance of my builders and my engineers, and I need to marshal that better rather than dictating, which is sort of the command and control style mm -hmm. for architects and superintendents on the job site. Yeah, when I think about when I like hear you talk about this, con you know, construction, right? And so from the architecture all the way through in product, right? so so it's almost like silos on steroids. <laughs> it, it is hyper fragmentation. It's not different departments. These are different companies. Yeah, and if you hard bid everything, it's the lowest bidder, and you know you're you have pressures on on designers that they got to get their designs out. So, you know, I might have for a $25 million building, I might have a hundred sheets of 30 by 42 architectural and another hundred sheets of engineering mm -hmm. and they've all got a mesh. Yeah. And if they, and, and, you know, you can also build something the owner doesn't want. So <laughs> um, how do you do that? And there's safety issues. It's, it's big and we have not traditionally handled it very well. Our projects are behind schedule and over budget. Yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this. And for those listening that aren't in construction, I want, really want you to pay attention because when you think about it, um, if you're working in your organization, you're going to have cross-functional cross teams and things that are going across different departments. So this, so here we go. If this is how we can do it when different companies are involved and you've got this level of um, uh, complexity, then there's definitely something here to learn. So pay attention as we talk through this. Now in lean construction, there's the full uh, last planner system and the five layers or five levels of conversation. And we're going to link to all of your information, Susan. So folks, listeners out there, if you want to learn more about that, you can follow those links, go to our show notes, follow those links and get all the details on the last planner system. Um, but thinking about those conversations involved in that, what I'd really like to focus on and hear about is those conversations and what really makes them different um, and how might they be different than a typical uh, staff meeting or cross-functional meeting that we might go to today. Uh, so let's dig into that. So, you know, there's this whole system, but what's underlying that? It's like a lot of people talking at each other. A lot of commitments being made. How do you actually do that? 50-way communication. How do you start? And, you know, we like to say that there is no, no nothing happens in human endeavor except through conversation. Um, before you invited me onto this podcast, it literally wasn't possible, right? You opened up a new world. You made a declaration, <laughs> And there's a, a, a man I have to give a shout out to, Fernando Flores, Dr. Fernando Flores and Chauncey Bell, and the notion of language action. So when we speak, we're actually calling into being a new way of work. And how do we manage the conversation? Uh, I think you've been in staff meetings before where people are talking about an issue. They talked about it last week. Mm -hmm. Nobody really commits to do anything. You think they did, right? Or maybe mm -hmm. you have an action item list and you said, okay, Jamie, you're going to do this. Susan, you're going to do this. And people say, uh-huh. And they come back next week. It's not done. It's mm -hmm. not done to what you wanted to see it done as. And <laughs> yes. you don't know what's the problem. And I sit in these meetings with foremen and I'm, I, I come out of it two hours later. I said, not one person made a commitment in that meeting. Do you realize that? And they're like, well, what does that mean? So uh, I think you talked, you asked me to come on today and speak to something we refer to as reliable promising or conversations for action. Yes. So think of a sphere that's going around in a circle. You have a customer and he has a request. Mm -hmm. um, it could be build me a hundred bed hospital tower, or it could be get me a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to prepare, right? You can't just, hey, build me, a, build me that tower or get me the coffee. I mean, who's right. the performer you're making the request of? And a request is a very specific thing. Right. Um, you're asking someone to take care of something that concerns you. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you make the request. The performer, I mean, how many people have had underlings say, oh, right, I'll get right on it. And they just run out the door and they do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're st standing there going, do they understand? 
understand what I actually was asking for. So, you know, we skipped the next part. So we made a request, we prepared, we thought what we wanted. You know, I want some coffee and I don't want the conference room coffee. I want it in Starbucks and mm. I want the vanilla and all of this stuff. And I bought you drinks last night. So I think you should buy me a coffee. I mean, all of these requests come out, mm -hmm. uh, but then you've got to clarify and negotiate. The performer is like, okay, so I think what you want is this. And they start negotiating that. It's, mm -hmm. um, you know, frankly, I bought you coffee all last week so that I thought you were paying me back with a drink. <laughs> or, you know, I just don't have time to go to Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they start to think about things before they commit. Like, uh, you know, you can think, do I have the manpower? Do I have the knowledge? Yeah. Do I know what they're asking me to actually do? And if I can't do it, will I step up and tell people that's true? And only through that clarification negotiation, which may require conversations with others, especially your trades, your consultants, you know, the funding organ for whatever you're doing, you can make an actual commitment. Mm -hmm. And when you commit, you make a promise to take care of these conditions of satisfaction, which you've negotiated together. And that has a date. So the customer is saying, I promise to be satisfied if you do this by this time. And the performer says, yes, I can commit to that and I will. So then they execute. And at the end of that execution, they have to say, okay, this is my work. I've done it. And the customer has to declare that they are satisfied. How many times have you handed somebody something and they say, okay, thanks. And they go away. Mm -hmm. And you might even hear later, oh, that wasn't the report I needed. I didn't use it at the meeting, but thanks. Mm -hmm. um, and so we really need to close that loop. And so when I am listening to people, I'm listening for that loop. Are you prepared? Did you make a request or you can make an offer, right? Uh, did you negotiate and clarify what it is in a, such a way that they're actually thinking about it? When they went to perform it, who else did they have to bring in? And those are more conversations. When it's done and something might change. So, you know, if something mm -hmm. changes, are you communicating? But when it's done, are you actually declaring satisfaction? That seems like a simple thing, but there was a, a very long lead item on a project I was on. It was for a big infrastructure project. It was a big coupling for a, a large underground pipe and it came in six months before they needed it. It was wrapped up for protection. They didn't have the equipment to unwrap it and wrap it up again. So they just, okay, they, they checked a box. Six months later, they unwrapped it and realized it was not in the configuration they needed. Mm. So, you know, these things happen. Or mm -hmm. a superintendent will come in and say, you know, I told them the ground was going to freeze. And they needed to protect the fire hydrant or the plumbing or something. I told them it needs to be done. I come in this morning, it's all frozen. I had to rip it out. And I, I just want to say, so who actually committed to do it? Did yeah. they know how? Did they know it was today? Did you see them do it at the end of the day at three? And it's like, well, he didn't, you know, people don't really have an answer. So this is what I'm looking for. And I'm looking for weasel words. Um, weasel words. Weasel words. <laughs> what are um, weasel words? I am kind of the language police, unfortunately. Um, 
I am married to an English teacher, so I know how annoying that is. <laughs> uh, but I do look for language and I'm looking for promises. Mm-hmm. So which of these are actual promises? Somebody says, yeah, maybe I can get the windows here by August 15th. Mm. Uh, maybe. Really? <laughs> or perhaps I will order them this week. I hope to have the dimensions I need by tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'm starting to hear this. Right. I could get the windows here by August 15th. It's in the schedule. That's a statement. You could. And then someone else says, yeah, sure, sure. I'll try to get the openings roughed in. Mm. Um, Or I hear an engineer, I plan to do the structural calculations and get you the beam sizes next week. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't he just say I will? And I'm listening. I, this is what I, I listen for. So what I want to hear, you know, I will get the windows here by August 15th. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will get the windows here by August 15th if the architect gives me updated dimensions by mm-hmm. Friday. Um, I can't answer now, but, but we'll get back to you by Thursday. That's a promise because you have a date. Mm-hmm. If you say, well, I'll get back to you. That's nothing. That, they didn't promise anything. Um, and sometimes the thing you need to let people say, and this is where we fall down on construction all the time, you need to let people say no. Mm. I, I can't get the windows here by August 15th. We have a supply problem. Yes. And that's not the end of it. It's like, okay, so we wanted to start the interiors. Can we get temporary enclosures so we can start the interiors and drywall? And you have another conversation uh, and we get we get commitments yes um, I'm totally hearing all of this I'm thinking back to you know with our listeners in there you can probably think back to the last meeting you were in <laughs> and what type of language did you hear more of and I bet it was those weasel words right the Hopefully. you know I just want to yeah like well you know that's my plan um my goal is I hope to uh you know and I can I, I like I can just think myself using them too kind of giving myself a little bit of wiggle room um yep. you know allowing for possibilities whereas even when you you talked about these promises and, and using the words like yes I will um there were some of those examples where you said yes I will if this happens if God willing, <laughs> like if, um, yeah, and that's another conversation. You need the dimensions, okay? When do you need them? Yeah, this architect. When are you going to get them to him? And these are constraints, and we write it right up on the board. This is the task that's going to be constrained. This is what I need. This is when I need it. And who's going to promise? And we sit there with a three-second pause with our little pen. Who's going to, who, who? And we expect people to, to say, I will, even if we know who it is. Yes. I don't want the super saying, okay, architect, you can you do it by do the it. 10th. Mm-hmm. Nobody made a commitment. And, and we've had this issue. It's, it's hilarious. But um, we had an architect, they were saying, well, we really need this request for information answered on the plumbing or we can't get going. She said, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And they said, okay, well, let's put it down on the board. And so they did that. You know, this is a task that's constrained. This is the information I need. This is who needs it. And I'm requesting it by this time. And they said, okay, so Susan, you said you'd give it to us. And they're sitting there waiting, you know, when can you give it to us? 
Mm-hmm. And she stopped and she looked at them and she said, what RFI are we talking about? <laughs> because if you ask a yes, no question. Yeah. That, that cycling negotiation loop, can I do it? Do I have the time to do it? How long will it take? Isn't there. And people, you ask a yes, no question. This is my language policing. And they say, uh-huh. Or nope, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Those are other words. So, so I, I never allow my, my supers to ask a yes or no question. Say, if you tried to start this task tomorrow, what would stop you? Don't say, do you have everything you need? <laughs> Yes, I love that question. I heard when you I heard you say it earlier too, by the way, is um if you if you were starting this test tomorrow, what would stop you? Love it. As we start to wrap up, if if I'm, you know, we've got a let's say we've got a team out there, maybe an operations management team that um is out there listening and they're going, gosh, you know what? We're not really making promises. We're thinking about our meetings and our discussions and our conversations, and we're not really making promises. And we want to start to shift to do that more. Uh, any kind of tips, recommendations, things to watch out for that you would you would share as they start to shift some of um, the language and the conversation to be more action oriented? I think you know that whole notion of conversations for action and you can you can google it language action you know uh there's a loop and you'll see it it's like how are we speaking to each other do we really know what we're asking for and you know it's both the customer and the performer need to clarify things if my message to you is unclear that's on both you for not clarifying and on Mm me so what are the conversations we're having can we eliminate words like hopefully or mm-hmm. I plan or, you know, things like that? Do we understand the concerns? You know, they're asking us to do something. It's pretty good to mm-hmm. know why. So I think that entire conversation piece, which when we look at last planner, we have, okay, we got spreadsheets and P6 schedules and, and daily huddle, you know, weekly work plans and we have all this stuff, but those are artifacts of a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the end result. That's not, we don't do a weekly work plan so we can mm-hmm. have a spreadsheet. We do a weekly work plan so we know exactly where you are and what you need from me and what can release my work. Don't tell you me it takes 15 days to yeah. do something. After five days in an area, can you move on and somebody else moves in? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you need? Do you need every opening in the entire bed tower, Mr. Structural Engineer, or you just need to know the ones that are bigger mm-hmm. than eight by eight foot? It's a different conversation. And I would say, yeah, hit that conversation yes. for action. Fantastic. All right. So uh, for our folks out there who are, you know want to learn more about this and maybe connect with you, where should they go? What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way to do that, you can either just give me an email. I'm at Susan at yourleanproject.com. Or you can look me up under Reinhardt Lean Design and Consulting. Uh, the best place to contact me, of course, is on LinkedIn. Um, so I think you're mm-hmm. going to put the, the LinkedIn connection that they can do that as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Really fascinating stuff. And I, I think there's a lot to this um, idea of reliable promising and uh, conversations for action. Thank you.
Listen up, everyone. You are not going to believe this. So right after I, I like I hit the stop recording button with Susan and we were wrapping up and talking and I was going through next steps. And guess what I said? I said, well, I'll probably have my checklist completed on Monday so I can let you know if there's anything additional I need from you by then. What? A weasel word. I'll probably have my checklist completed on Monday. Like within minutes of learning about it, right? Instead of making a promise or a commitment, I used a weasel word. Oh my goodness. The good news is that I did catch myself afterwards. I was about two sentences after that. And I paused. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) I just said probably. And I decided to rephrase it in the affirmative and make the commitment. I will have my checklist completed by Monday. Now, here's the thing is that I didn't just change the word without changing, like without the sentiment to go with it. Right. So it, what happened is like, I actually had to pause and think like, okay, Am I comfortable making this commitment? Is this realistic? Do I have everything I need? And are there other priorities that I need to finish first? Like if I'm actually gonna gonna put my word on the line here, if I'm gonna make a commitment, well, then it's really important for me to follow through and I need to make sure. And you know, this really stood out to me because initially when I said, when I said, you know, hey, I'll probably have this by Monday, um, I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I was just kind of thinking through, like, yeah, that probably sounds right. Right. But I didn't actually put as much thought into it. And the moment that I kind of shifted to this affirmative where I was making that promise, I actually considered it more. Now, in this case, Monday was okay. So I was fine with it. But if if I felt like that wasn't okay, then I would have said, oh, you know what? Let me, let me say that I will have this done by Wednesday, for example. And so it wasn't that I had to squeeze everything in. It just really kind of forced me to do more evaluation. And if this had been anything in a group or, or maybe a cross-functional situation, I think it would have forced the conversations, right? So I I just, it just stood out to me. I was dying laughing, right? I'm like, oh my goodness. But it just really brought this lesson home for me. And I'll be interested in hearing from, from you what you find. Now, one quick reminder that this really only works if it's safe to say no. So as leaders, we have to create an environment where someone can say, no, I can't complete that by that time. Because then we can have a conversation, we can better understand the obstacles, we can make informed decisions, but you just have to be careful that you're not creating a a space of fear where people are making commitments and they're saying they will do something knowing that they can't. All right, here is your next step. The next meeting you go to, maybe the next few meetings you go to, I want you to listen for weasel words versus promises or commitments both from other people and from yourself. How often are you and your colleagues kind of hedging your bets or making those statements in the gray rather than fully committing? Now, once you get a feel for what's happening, then you can come back and revisit this conversation to decide if you want to do something about it. Remember that you can see the image of the reliable promise loop and get additional details and links at our show notes. So just head over to processplusresults.com forward slash podcast. Until next time.